It's my favorite. It says dibs on the pastor. So, <laughs> but, but then, so, so I get that shirt for her, and then she gets this one for me. It says, I uh, prayed for strength and courage, and he sent me my wife. So, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so uh, we're, we want to have a little bit of fun too. Um, one of the things, so uh, we have never done this before. Um, when we started thinking about this, this series of, of state of the, the family, state of the home, I talked to Barbara and I said, hey, let's, um, let's, let's do, the, do the marriage one together. You know, let's talk about that together. My wife has um, always been doing children's ministry. She's always stuck with the children. And uh, not that that's a bad thing or anything. Uh, we need children workers right now. So I think it would be a great place for any of you to get started. Um, but the thing is where Barbara's heart has always been was with women's ministry. And, um, and, and, and predominantly, we are huge advocates for marriage. In, in fact, it wasn't that long ago um, that our marriage was on the rocks. It really was. Um, we have had a disagreement. Have, have any of you guys ever had a disagreement that lasted like six years? Because we did. A, a disagreement that's like six years long. We're like, we're still disagreeing about this thing for six years, right? It got so bad. And, and, and sometimes we can allow... Uh, a disagreement, a difference, a situation, a circumstance, a hurt feeling lasts so long that at some point you're like, I don't know that I can live like this. I don't want a divorce. I don't want separation, but I can't live like this. Then he has dreams of, po of me poisoning him. So. Yes, then I had a dream of her poisoning me. So I was like, <laughs> we need counseling right now. So, um, but I want to share that with, with this. Well, the sometimes <laughs> even in that, in that amount of time of, of six years, it's not even like the small disagreement we had is that all of a sudden like that taints every other smaller disagreement and it combines into several disagreements. So right. And then it just gets to a point where you just aren't on the same page and don't want to be. And you know, here's the thing is we, got, we went to the marriage conference and one of the things that I picked up is that they, they made this statement that so many of us have settled for a mediocre marriage. And I sat there and I'm like, whoa, that was, that was us. We settled... We settled for an average, you know, hey, we, you know, we're not doing that bad, you know, we're doing better than some, and, and, we're, and we got to a point where we were like okay with being okay, right? And, and so, and then all of a sudden it's like the, the message I thought was so powerful and so good, it was like God has more for you. That's not God's plan. God's plan for your marriage is not that it would be mediocre, it would be, and here's the, to be honest, I was a big part of that, and I'm going to tell you why I was a big part of that. I, I uh, for, the, for most of our marriage, I was at a point where I really was chasing after being a great pastor and settling for being a good husband or above average husband, maybe. Yeah, was, uh, can I say that? Because yeah, it makes me above, feel better. Above average. Like above C, average pastor. I don't know how we uh, you know, get the, the, you know, the, the statistics. We'll make one up for you. But, uh, but anyway, so but I, I, was, I got to a point where I really strived, and I read all the books that I read was like on pastoral how leadership. How to be a great leader. Yeah. How to be a great leader. How to grow your church. Right? A lot of it was if you could be a great leader in church, you should be a great leader in the house, right? That's what we, that was your... That was yeah. the mentality, yeah, if I'm a good should leader. should snowball into the home front. That's right. right. So, yeah. But the thing was is that in a lot of ways, I really did. I, I had settled. When Malachi got sick, it really turned our lives upside down. God used that to bring us together, to be honest. And we've never had, we're, we're almost at 19 years. And, um, 
And we've, this is the best that we've ever been. But also a lot of that came when I, I came to a point when we were grieving and I watched my wife grieve and I knew that I was grieving and I watched my children grieve. Then all of a sudden I was like, you know, I'm needed here more than I'm needed at the church. And then all of a sudden my wife needs me to be the husband that God had in mind. My kids need me to be the father that God had in mind and the church will figure it out. And you know what ended up happening? It was really actually quite amazing. I shared this at a men's event yesterday. But what ended up happening was I think I became a better pastor than I've ever been through the process of just wanting and desiring to be the best husband that Barbara could, could have. Well, it's that funny that you say that because I'm pretty sure that's how God talks about the church, right? Right, bride. right, right. The love of the wife like, like Christ. Okay, right, right. Kind of like God it, knew what he was talking about. Right, Imagine it should, should be, it should be. So, but anyway, so that's one of the things that we, we just kind of want to take a couple of weeks and we want to share. So today, I, I'm really excited about this. Um, I, I'm a sucker for Genesis to begin with and it feels like we're always there, but I really, it's a starting point, right? So what we wanted to do today, today, is we wanted to say, what we wanted to study, what was God's original plan with marriage? Like, what was God's plan? Not what was America's plan or what Hollywood's plan is, but what is God's plan? Because if, if God's plan was good then, why wouldn't it be good now, right? I mean, you're following me, right? I mean, if God's plan was this, so is, if, and if he's perfect, and here's what I want to say, if God's perfect, does he have any room to grow? No, because if perfect means that you're already perfect, there is no room to grow. So if God's plan was perfect then, it's still perfect today. That's what I'm, what, I say, sometimes it's just hard to find it. No. It's really it's, hard. It's hard to find it. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where it's perfect, but then us Americans <laughs> we try and mess it up, redesign the perfect, right? So, yeah. So, Barbara's going to read Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read verses 18 through 25, and this is God's original plan for marriage. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man named each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave so, names... So well, hold on, hold on. So Adam, <laughs> so Adam named the platypus. That was a good one. I mean, that was a good one. It's also a dodo bird. So the dodo birds. I, I'm sorry, got distracted. It, was, it caught me off guard. That wasn't planned. Go ahead, sorry. So the man gave each all the, all ugh, started. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Blessed. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. He didn't find help in you know in the platypus. <laughs> no. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the man's rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man the man said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man actually it's whoa whoa mm. man sorry go ahead and that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame the first nudist colony was in genesis one but that's Two. not okay now Two. Because after that, they have leaves. So, 
what we want to do is we want to bring out five different things that we see in God's original plan that, that, is, that is something that, that we don't see as a changing point throughout the Bible, throughout history, and, and no matter what the 21st century says, it shouldn't change today. The first one is this. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That is the first thing. In, in, in Genesis 1, 26, it says God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. God blessed them, said uh, to them, be fruitful and multiply. So when you read that, Barbara, or you hear that, when you see that as one man, one woman, what was the purpose that God created male and female? What, for what purpose? Well, when you say to be fruitful and multiply, that would be to, to multiply in more humans. So it would be to repro reproduce. Reproduce. So here's the thing. God didn't create male and male. And he didn't create female and female. Two females will never create a baby. And two males will never create, reproduce a baby. God had a plan, and his original plan was one male, one female. And for the longest time, if we're honest, right, America held on to this standard, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was a time where, where our nation was built on, on, on God's word. And, and then what happened is there's a, a great push. Well, on June 26, 2015, the U.S. legalized, legalized same-sex marriage, right? But I, I, wanted, and I, this is, I want you to hear me. This is not an attack on, 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 on gays, homosexuals, transgender. It's not. Because God calls us to, to be filled with grace and truth. And so I want you to hear me, grace and truth. So the thing is, is that anyone's welcome to worship. Anyone is welcome to be loved. I mean, Jesus sat with the sinners. He, he ate at, at, at tax collectors and, and, the, and the woman caught in adultery. Jesus says, I, I didn't come here to condemn you, but go and sin no more. So there's truth. We have to have truth, God's word, truth. And it has to meet people with grace. So we have to be fully gracious and fully truthful at the same time. So this isn't an attack on that, but it is something that I want to show that when we get away from God's plan, it has major lasting effects. Let me give you some statistics. This is among youth, gay youth, because that's a thing now. I never thought that this would be something, you know, that kids would be really highly considering. Even in middle school. We in have middle it here in, in Warsaw, in small schools yep. that we see all around us. You yep. see it. They're still struggling. So gay youth are 120%. I forgot to move. There we go. All right. forgot. I'm doing three things at once. I'm not good at one thing at once. So um, the gay youth are 120% more likely to become homeless than any other youth. 120% more likely, right? Now, now, out of the population of all youth in the U.S., only 7% of youth claim to be gay. But out of all homeless children, 40% of them are gay. So it, 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 it's showing you that there's not a high population right now claiming that they are gay, but when you start looking at the total population of youth that are homeless, 40%. So it's showing this huge number of, of, of children that are, are, are considered gay that they're, they're homeless. They're without a home. They've ran away from home, all these different things. Let me tell you this. Suicide is the, leading, or the second leading cause of youth today. Do you know what the, the number one is? Accidents. Accidents. 
encompassing. That could be motorcycles, vehicles, any kind of accident that can be labeled accident in the ER. That could be falling down the stairs. That could be, you know, falling off a roof, you know, any accident right. is so number you, one. So, so accidents, the second one is suicide. So accidents covers all these different options of how an accident can be labeled, right? But the second leading cause among youth is suicide, and there's only, there's not a whole bunch of different options for that. It's suicide or not suicide. Second leading cause of death among youth is suicide. Do you know who leads? We don't have to, it's not hard to figure this out. A, a gay youth or a transgender youth is four times more likely to attempt suicide than a heterosexual. Four times more likely. Suicide is not just an issue um, with youth, but also in adults. Transgender comes in at the highest. 82% of adults, transgenders, have attempted or thought of suicide. 82%. 82% of all transgenders have thought of seriously considered suicide. While um, transgender are four times more likely to experience mental health hetero, than a heterosexual, a homosexual is two times more likely to struggle with, with mental health. And, and he, so, I, so I started looking at this. I'm thinking, wow, okay. So, so you have this, this demographic that has fought right, has fought for the same-sex marriage. You've fought for this. You've not only fought for the same-sex marriage, but you've waited so long, now it's accepted. Now the world around us celebrates it because really the only one, the only group that stands opposed to homosexuality is biblical Christians because now we have all kinds of progressive Christians that don't stand on the truth anymore. They've sacrificed truth because they want to only have grace. You have to have grace and truth. You can't have one with, if you're overly gracious, then you're liberal and you're not following the word. If you are only truth and you have no grace, now you're a Pharisee and legalistic and just downright mean. So the church has to be full of grace and full of truth, both. It's absolutely necessary, full of both. And so, so the thing is, is that when we see this, what's so sad is that, that you, you, you see something when we get away from God's plan. So they, the world around them is celebrating um, homosexuality. It celebrates transgender. They're applauded. It's in every TV show. I mean, we, we're getting our, our TVs going. <laughs> we're shutting that sucker down. We're like, we're done with this. It's on every show. It's on every movie. You can't get away from it. Whenever people hear about it, the world is clapping, applauding, celebrating. But I want you to hear this. Well, you're so not, it, in the American youth are being fed that it's not unless you are accepting or doing this you're not cool right so so here's the thing is is you see all this world celebrating and applauding and yet that group is the is the, is the holds the highest suicide rate holds the highest mental health rate holds the highest depression so here's the point you can you can be celebrated you can be you can fight for something you can be celebrated in it you can be applauded in it and it still won't complete you you see, what happens is they fought for something, thought that if I could be accepted, if I could be celebrated, if I could get what I want, I will be complete. The problem is, is only one thing completes us. His name is Jesus. That's right. That's the only thing. And how many people? They, they, they look at, you know, I remember when I walked into college and, and this smoking hot blonde, she looks over and she goes, hey, Danny. I didn't even know who she was, but I wanted to. 
you know? I'm your huckleberry, you know, I mean, she's, and she goes, like, you have no idea who I am, and I'm like, no, but I want to, let's go out, you know, and so the thing was, is that so many young people, they look at that person, they're attracted to that person, they like everything about that person, they think, man, if I could get that person to fall in love with me, then they will complete me, but the problem is, is then when they get married, and they think they have everything that they ever wanted, then all of a sudden, they still fill an empty hole inside, And then, did I marry the wrong person? Or, that person needs to change. The reality, my friends, is that Barbara can't complete me as well as I can't complete her. The only way to be complete is Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is. It's the only way. And so we see that in both homosexual relations and even in... in, uh, All relations. In all relations. A lot of times they fight for what's right. Or they fight for what they want because they think it's going to make them happy or complete them, whether it's homosexual relations or heterosexual relations. And then they just find out it falls flat because that momentary happiness Mm -hmm. isn't what's Mm -hmm. going to sustain them. Right, right. So let's bring them to the second point, Barbara. All right. The second point is it's not good to be alone. You know that research had found that the risk of death is 30% higher across a lifetime for singles than it is for married couples. And they tend to die 8 to 16 years earlier than married couples. So, what God's saying, (laughs) it's not good for man to be alone. God really meant it's not good. For men to be alone. I say I mean, in every wedding. Every wedding that I have. It's not does. good to be alone because if you're single, you're going to die quicker. Do you think it's... I mean, seriously, that's what Do you think it's statistics. because they engage in like more risky stuff? Like when you're married, you're thinking, well, I don't want to leave her alone or I don't want to leave him alone. Barbara, I was living on ramen noodles and hot dogs before you came along. It was not good being alone. It's probably super, why you had high, high cholesterol at, like, t- in your 20s. <laughs> so, I know why, you know, so, so when, when, when God, I mean, and all this is coming straight out of that passage, you know, when, when God saw that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. It's not. God didn't create man and male and female so that we could be alone. That's not the point. God looks at when he created Adam, he had a special plan for Adam, and that was Eve. And so when God created us, we're created to do life together. I mean, there was times where when I was single, and I've met a lot of people who were single, they had all this fun, they had all these things, these adventures, and they went all these trips and then they look back and they're like I didn't have anyone to share that with mm-hmm. God created us to share life together the problem is is that when we get at odds with each other we don't really want to share life together Mm-mm. one of my favorite well no that would probably be in the adventure part yeah I'll just wait for them I'll wait for them but honestly women I mean uh, let's just think put ourselves how many of us like thinking about we do at home we make dinner we do this I mean I know my husband can only eat leftovers for so long so I could be gone for maybe like four days and then he runs out of food and he's like I don't know what else to eat because there's nothing else that you cooked left in the fridge so I mean honestly women do you think our men's would be able to make it for very long some of us would say yeah they can make it for long enough right my, my dad would never throw food away when it started growing stuff he would just scrape that off or just say you know the microwave will 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 kill it will kill it <laughs> so, anyways, he's so, not joking about that. No, I'm not. So, I love my father-in-law. So, the thing is, though, is that that what we do see in the scripture is that one, 
Um, it's, it's between a man and a woman, male and female. Number two, it is, it is because it, it's not good for us to be alone. We are, we are created to be together, to share life together. That's right. So um, the third one, uh, Barbara, why don't you bring the third one in? Okay. For Adam, it is meant a helpmate. This is pulled out of scripture. So for Adam, it meant a helpmate. So helper in the original uh, Hebrew is ezer. Ezer. Not geezer, but ezer. That's true. So, ezer. Uh, so ezer, which meant assistant or one who serves another. So when you look at this, and, and, and so when God looked at Adam, he says, man, it's not good for you to be uh, alone. I will make a helpmate for you. So when you look at it then, Eve was created for what purpose? Eve was literally created for ezer. To be a helper. To, to be a, so you are my helpmate. You're welcome. Help me help you. Help me. Right, okay, so. That sounds like I could What advice, along. so here's what I do. I have this great question. I'm, I'm, I'm there. So what advice would you give to an unmarried woman who was like, I don't want to serve or submit or assist any man? What, what advice I can't wait because my wife, I never know what's going to come out of her mouth. So what would you give advice to an unmarried woman who says, I am not doing that? Be single and never get married. I mean, that's, that's ultimately, I mean, if you do not want to submit or help or be a helpmate to a, to a spouse, don't get married. That's literally the reason why we marry each other is to walk this life together hand in hand to help each other. If you can't do that, then don't do it. You know, and, and a lot of times they think, well, it's going to fulfill me, but I don't want all that extra stuff. Well, it all comes with the territory. You can't say, well, I want to get married and I, I want to have this, this, and this, but I don't want to have to do that. Then just don't get married. Well, and, and, I, and I know that we'll hit this a little bit next week, but, but everybody's going to forget this anyway. So um, what's one of the, when we do a lot of marriage counseling, what's usually the number one issue between the couples? There's a lot of issues. Well, I know, but usually, <laughs> usually the one thing that we continuously see and we go back to is revolves around this issue, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I where don't want. I don't want to submit to him, and and I and, don't, and I don't want to love her. Right. Well, and so if you, if you knew my husband, you wouldn't want to do that for him. Well, if you, you know, it, it's it's the same same different same thing, different scenario. Right. You know, if you knew if you knew my wife, if you knew my husband, well. I'm sorry, I didn't marry him, but we're going to help you walk through this together. <laughs> I always like, you, don't, you didn't have to say yes. You didn't have to say I do at the end of the day. So, but now, there is a passage that, that, that we could help unmarried yeah. people that did not really like the idea of God's marriage. Now, people, there's all kinds of people out there that get married and they don't do it God's way. We're oh, yeah. just saying, hey, we're, we're a biblical church. We want to teach you what does the Bible say about what does a biblical marriage look like. So the thing is, is that there is a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I really like the first couple of verses because it says, wives, don't deny your husband. But well, that's not today's sermon. That's not but, a sermon. But there, later on in those verses, it talks about that an unmarried man is only concerned about the Lord's affairs. 
he can please the Lord. But a married man is not only concerned about, he's concerned about the world's affairs, he have how he can please his wife. And then it says, and so his interests are divided. So to somebody who's married, they, um, they, they, they want to serve the Lord wholly and fully, but they also have a family that they're supposed to be responsible for. Right. So he says, if you want to be unmarried, get, you then can give your entire attention to the Lord and serve him only. But the other part of it is that... And this is meaning for a man that doesn't want to marry. Same with a woman. So it's not like some woman that's going to the bar and then, you know adventures afterward you know it's talking about a man that doesn't want to marry even in real any kind of relation that you have here on earth is going to divide your mind you know because you know actions can be consequences right we have a lot of men and women who have had not been married but had children that divides you anyways so when we're talking we're talking paul when paul wrote first corinthians and he talks about being unmarried he's referring to the fact of like not indulging in any sort of relationship so that your focus can be on the Lord. Right, right, right. Good. So now I, I would say that this is not just a one-way street. It's not like the man should look at this and go, cool, the God's plan is that the woman serves me and I don't have to do nothing. That's not, that's not, the, mm -hmm. the, that's not God's heart in this whole thing. When Adam was created, God wanted somebody to share, that he would share life with. When, you, when I look at my wife, I don't see her as, you know, under my feet or under my thumb. I look at this as a person who's, who, who, who she chose. Well, she said, I do. She said, yes, when I got on one knee. She, I, I pursued her. She said, yes, I want to marry you. She chose to walk, her, to share her life with me, to follow me wherever I went and whatever adventure I went on, and some of them have been some, some doozies. Some but, doozies adventures. But, uh, but anyways, you know, she decided that. Now, the next point that I want to bring up is this, and I, and I love this. Um, the, the, so for Eve, so, so marriage for Adam, it meant that he would receive a helpmate, somebody to walk in life. But for Eve, and I love this, for Eve, it meant that Adam would leave everything for her. Think about this. You know, it says that a, a man would leave his mother and his father to cleave to his wife, right? So one of the things is this, is that, that on the other side of the spectrum, Eve's not only the one, only one sacrificing. On the other side, Adam is, is he's leaving everything for her. He's like, you are, you know, it's kind of like a, a picture of a prince, you know, trying to rescue the princess. And, and, and she is his, his treasure, his prize, his possession kind of thing. And so uh, I think that that's also a really neat thing. And I think that men often, they, they, they get the prize, they win the lady, they, they get the woman, and then they're like, now what? And then no, they, they kind of they, they stop pursuing and they just kind of leave her there. And then they get like, well, I don't really know what to do here now that I caught you. I wasn't, ex it's like going fishing and not expecting to catch anything. And they're like, well, I'm just going fishing. And all of a sudden you catch something I'm like, what am I supposed to do? But now that we <laughs> caught you, so you get, so. <laughs> and a lot of times too, as I want to add with that, is that this is a lot of times where, where marriages can go stagnant. Um, when it's like the catch is done mm -hmm. and then it's like everything's in place the mon the mundane of life right we go to work we come back we watch a movie go to bed we then you right. wake up and do it all over again and it's like there's before long it's not that you've fallen in love you just have fallen in a rut mm -hmm. so uh, i want to bring three points out of a, a book that we're actually handing out so so our men's conference is going to be um wild at heart 
Wild at Heart was written by, a, a, it's a book written by John Eldridge, and it's, and it's one of the best books I have, uh, that and Maximizing Manhood by, by um, Ed Cole. Those two are probably the best books I have read in years, and I, I love reading. And so these books are amazing. So I was like, oh my goodness, we're, when we do our men's conference, we have to get this book for all of our men, because it's a man's man's book. Like, you know, a lot of times when you read a, a, a man's book. Can I put an insert in there? Sure. Because you love to read. Mm-hmm. It's also an Audible, which is where my husband read it from. He read it on Audible. Our Audible, you get it so on you your phone. So you're saying it doesn't count as reading a book? Well, the author read my it eyes to him. On it. It read but it to me. If you don't have time, I will say like there's times I listen to books on the way to work. So if you're in the car a lot, plug in uh, the book and have it read to you. So let me give you a couple of points from the book that I listened to. Okay, that I listened to. All right, so. Um, John Eldridge in this Wild at Heart, he says that men have three things, um, three things that are kind of um, that at the heart of every man. And so what I love about, I know, I, I'm sorry. You stand up. I am standing let up. Me, I'm, I'm, let I'm, me help I'm, you and move this yeah, out of your way. So, so um, he, he, and, and what I love is he makes all kind of references from like Gladiator to Braveheart, you know, like man's movies, right? And so he's like, in all, every movie that a man loves, has three aspects to it, and he goes just really at the heart of every man. There's three things that God just places uniquely in every man, and and they are this: He's a rescuer, He's a adventurer, and He's a warrior. So when I started thinking about those three things, and He was bringing out, you know, that every man inside of Him wants to rescue the damsel. So I don't like romantic movies, but I like romantic comedies because they're funny. I like to laugh. So I, so, you know, like she said one time, she goes, watch the notebook with me. I'm like, okay. And then my throat hurt all night long because I was, I was crying. And I'm like, I am never watching that movie again. Never. <laughs> like I hurt my, I was like, oh, my throat. And, you know, so I'm like, I am never, quit making me watch these romantic, sad ones. They're terrible. So, but you know, romantic comedy, I can live with that. But here's the thing. Like, in all of the, even the manly movies, the guy is, you know, like Robin Hood. He's saving the damsel in distress, right? And so what happens in our lives is that when we kind of win over and rescue the heart of our, of our lady, right? Then we catch that lady. And the trouble is, is that when we win our prize, we stop fighting for her. We stop prize, uh, pursuing her. And we really don't. So we, we rescue and then we're like, well, now I, I don't know what to do. Because the next part of what our heart is, is, is that at the heart of a man is an, being an adventurer. Like, that's why I love hunting so much. I love looking at a map and I'm like, oh, I've never been on this property. It's, it's core or it's this or somebody gave me permission to go over to their place. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow, I, I wonder what's on the other side of that ridge. I wonder what's in that draw. I wonder what this looks like. And I wonder what that looks like. And so my mind is like on this adventure of like, I can't wait to see what happens next. Well, here's the thing is that when we rescue the woman, see what most people do is they rescue the woman, they have the woman, and then they don't know what to do with her. So then they go on an adventure and leave her at home. What I started doing is I started talking about hunting and Barbara's like well I'll try that so I'm like cool so I remember our first day hunting first day uh, we we're in a, I put up a two-man stand I'm like I can't believe my wife's gonna go she gets the deer rifle we're sitting out there and a deer comes out and she shoots the deer and it drops and I was so excited I was like 
jumping and we were like high-fiving really super loud in the woods, which not, it did feel super manly now telling it, but at the time <laughs> it felt great. I was like, wow. And then the next day we went back out to the same stand. She shot a little eight-point buck. We call him crab because it had a little two, two points like this. And, uh, and I was just like, it was so exciting, right? Then all of a sudden I'm like, well, then she gets a bow and then she starts shooting more deer and more deer. And I'm like, oh, you should be pretty good at hunting. So then I'm like, hey, why don't you go over here and I'm going to put you on this ridge over here, and then I'm going to go over here, and now no deer are going to be We're not even that. It's, I can't go hunting, so you need to go hunting so we can get more deer. Well, it could, it could be that way, too. Yeah, go ahead. But even when we did, so regardless of whichever way it was, I started trying to send her hunting. And she's like, I don't really want to go hunting. And I'm like, oh. So I thought, well, she doesn't like hunting anymore. That's what I thought, right? Mm -hmm. But what was the truth? I like to hunt with you. I don't want to hunt by myself. Yeah. So she That's started every time I'd me. say, hey, why don't you, I'll, I'll watch the kids. Why don't you go hunt? And I'll watch the kids so that you can do something that you enjoy. I never realized in my little pea brain here that, that the reason why she liked hunting was because I liked hunting, not because she liked hunting. Well, I, I mean, mean, I like hunting, but it's it more wasn't fun the, with you. Right. It, so the thing is, the reason why she wanted to pursue that is because that was my adventure. One of my favorite adventures that we did was when uh, I went elk hunting in Idaho, and I was like, Barbara, you got to come, right? So we, we borrowed a, a, a tent from somebody, and during one of the nights, in the middle of the night... <laughs> it was a summer tent. It was a summer tent. That was the first bad mistake. I'm like, I'm going to Idaho, and it was like September, and they're like, oh, I got a perfect tent for you. I'm like, great. Never looked at it. Went there. It was a summer tent. It's not summer in any mountain, you know? I'm like, so we're like... Like snot sickles, you know, and and so we're 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 bun and that's all we had. I mean, I I should have I, I should have looked at it. I just threw it about like let's go. That's that's the squirrel, right? Let's go. And the beaver would have been like, no, that's not gonna work. So, anyways, but that Hold made on. also the story a story. Goes, it was literally a tent with like the window, the sheer things with the Everywhere. overlay. Uh, yeah, it was and just then it had like an overlay over it all so you mesh. Get the wind. All mesh. All okay. wind through. Okay, then go ahead and put the story so, of what happened. One night, <laughs> we were sleeping, and we wake up about 3 o'clock in the morning, and the whole tent crashes. And it's right here. No, no. The tent, oh, I opened yeah, that's right. my eyes. The tent and I'm was like, right here. I'm like touching the top. That's right, because I remember laying in the bed. I'm like, is that the tent, and I'm poking it? Like <laughs> so we hit it, and about a foot of snow falls off the tent. Snow is everywhere. <laughs> it's like caving in on us. So it was, it was one of my favorite stories. We ended up seat, sitting in the diesel it so truck. Cold. It, was, it was so cold. We sat in the truck all day long laughing. It was hilarious. Great times. But see, the thing was, the point is, is this. Inside of every man is this adventurer. He wants to go on some kind of adventure. And here's the thing. Invite your bride, your bride to go on the adventure with you. Mm -hmm. Don't stop doing the adventure. Don't stop being an adventurer. Don't stop with the fun. I mean, think about it. I mean, like and, we and, had and all kinds of fun in college. We was always doing weird things. Um, not like bad things. Don't why you No, like it was that? weird things. Yeah. No, I didn't so say bad. You we, said we, weird. We would go to. It uh, was weird. There, there was so we would go to like a, a restaurant, and I would hide behind a, so one of the guys' vehicles, and he would order like a Taco Bell or something like that, and then I would hide behind the vehicle, and when they would reach out for the food, I would run and intercept it and run away <laughs> with their food, right? <laughs> to try to get extra free food. It never worked, but it was hilarious, <laughs> right? And so. <laughs> <laughs> we did all kinds of weird things. So, so anyways, moving on though. So but, but as the as a as the bride, the other half, the forty nine percent of this relationship, I 
I want to encourage you wives. Sometimes we get in a rut and we're just used to being home. Want to do the, the adventure with him. A lot of times wives are like, I don't want to go. You know, you'd be surprised at the fun you can have. And that entail will right. and help I, and the relationship And, and so a lot of men have stopped rescuing their woman. A lot of men have stopped being adventurous and, and having fun because of life. And the last thing that inside of every man is, is this, this warrior instinct. We are warriors. Every movie, every good movie that's out there, you know, Braveheart is one of my favorites. I love it. You bled with wall. You know, like, I'm like, yes, I'm like, give me a sword and a, and a shield. Let's go. You know, I'm like ready to storm the castle every time I watch that movie. And Gladiator, you know, my, anyways, I can't even do the lines. But, but so I love, you I can love. be like, are you not entertained? She does that all the time. Every time <laughs> something happens in the house, she's like, are you not in? So we, so the thing is, though, inside of us, men, we're a fighter. There's a, there's a warrior inside, but the problem is, is this. We've stopped fighting for our wives, and now we find ourselves in a fight with our wives. Against. If you're not and fighting against. for something, you'll fight each other. Yeah, so if you don't learn how to come together and fight together, side by side, you'll end up fighting each other. And that's where, that was our, when, when we came to a point where we felt like we were, we were in a very bad place in our, in our marriage, that, that it was because we had stopped fighting side by side. We had not, we, we'd never really had much of a ministry. I was doing my ministry thing, she was doing her thing, and we were not really united anymore, which actually brings us to our next and final point. Go ahead. Both becoming one. They would be one flesh or united. So one flesh, which literally in Hebrew is bizarre. Like, oh, that that's is, bizarre. <laughs> Pe- marriages being united today is bizarre. Right. I it mean, really, very, yeah. most, most couples are not very united anymore. But one flesh is literally what it means. It's skin or flesh. So we went to a couple uh, in our marriage conference. They like to use this verse, one flesh, as like it means sex. It's not a reference to sex. But it least, could be, but it's not. It's not, that's not, it's not excluded <laughs> from it. That's not the original intent. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, we, we went to a marriage conference, and one of the things that I did not think that was, the, that was not my favorite part of the conference um, was that it was kind of almost presented like, well, in most, when your marriage is struggling, well, guess what you're not having, right? You're not having, you know, marital, marital rights. Uh, that's not happening when you're, you're, you're not getting along, typically. That's, that's not. So then they're like, well, hey, if we get that to change, maybe. No, that's, that's the, the fruit of the problem. That's not going to fix the problem. And the reality is, is you have a unity problem. Or it's a Band-Aid. A lot of times or people a ba- yeah. use it for a Band-Aid. Right. And so the thing is, is that the, being one flesh was not about sexual stuff. It's not a sexual thing. Being one flesh was about the, 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 them leaving the mother and the father and the cleaving to one another, becoming one flesh, becoming one. So and and you have a really good way of saying that. How do you like to say that? Becoming unity. No, it's right there. You I'm sorry. Remember? You was the one that brought, I typed it up for you because you're like, oh, that was a good one. Like, oh, <laughs> I was like, what? What are you talking about? You're talking about extensions for yes, each other. Yes, being an yes. extension. So when, we're, when, when you're married and you become one, she's an extension of me. I'm an extension of her. So if I were to insult her in way, I'm insulting myself. 
and vice versa. If I and insult you, I'm you, insulting myself. I just want you to remember that the next time mm, you insult yeah. me, that you're really... And it, and it even goes so far as extensions like, okay, being a pastor's wife, I can, I can do, use this. A lot of people are like, oh, we love our pastor, but his wife... Right, we all, let's, let's just be honest, you don't have to say it out loud, but we, in your heart, you're like, we know a couple of those, okay? The pastor's great, but his wife. And that's the one thing that I never wanted to do is be that wife, right? The one that everyone's like, yeah, she's a bit of a hothead, or she gossips, or she, she's this, or she's that. When we as spouses behave a certain way, it reflects on our other half. That's how, when you're extension, the way you behave will reflect. Same thing, vice versa, with the men. The way you behave and other people see you reflects on your spouse as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with, with that, so um, when, when I begin to think of her, I need to understand that not only am I inviting, you know, I'm rescuing her, I'm, I'm wanting to take her on an adventure in my life, I'm going to fight for her, but she's an extension of me. That, that when, I, when I see her, I need to see that we're one. And so the, 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 the thing that I want to accomplish today is this. I mean, we're, we're, we're done with our notes. So um, what I want us to do today uh, and accomplish, because next week we're going to talk about how does marriage fall apart? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the problems that we so often see in, in, in America? But today, here's the point, is, is the devil will do anything that he can to divide you. The one flesh is the key of this. When you and your husband, you, you, you guys are one flesh, that is the, the, that's the place where the devil can't get in. But when the devil begins to... He, he, the devil does not net typically hit the church straight on. You know the greatest way for the devil to attack and hurt the church is to begin to hurt families and marriages in there. So the thing is, is that what the devil wants to do is drive a wedge... So think about this. He wants to divide or divorce the husband from the wife. Because divorce is what? Division. It's dividing. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I want you to do, um, husbands, I want you to grab the the hand of your wife. Right now. Grab grab your, your wife's hand. Okay? Don't touch me. No. Don't touch me. No, there's none of that accepted. All right. So here's the thing is you guys don't have to come forward. You can come forward. But what I want you guys to do is unite your hands, unite yourselves together. And here's the thing. Men, we are called to lead out, right? We're called to lead out. So here's what I'm, I'm asking you to do. What are some things? And this, this is probably not going to happen in the next 90 seconds, right? But what I want you to do here, we're going to come down here, though. Right. So, so what I want you to do is this. I want you to, to figure out what are the things that we need to leave behind. You know, maybe there's some drama in your marriage that's causing division. What are some? So if, if, if Adam and Eve were about leaving and cleaving, right? What are some things in your life that's keeping you from cleaving to one another? What's keeping you from having a great marriage? You see, too often, we, we got to stop settling for mediocrity. We got to stop settling for, I have a, an okay marriage. Stop it. That's not what God had in plan for you. He wants you to have a great marriage, a wonderful marriage, a powerful marriage, and you can have it. But there's some things that we're going to have to leave behind if we're going to move forward. 
So men, you've got to rise up and take leadership of the home. You're going to have to rise up and say, honey, there's some things that we need to put behind us. We need to leave that alone and we need to cleave to one another. We need to become what God had in mind. So men, this is on you. If we're going to be a biblical marriage, men, you can't be sitting here hoping that she's going to be the spiritual leader of the home. Mm -hmm. She may know, know more biblically. That does not mean you can't lead. You've got to lead out. This house is going to be about serving the Lord. This house is going to be about God. This marriage is about unity from here on out. That's what we're going to be about. So, if you need to come to the altar, maybe there's some things that, that you've, you, you know that, hey, honey, will you come up here? We need to leave some stuff at this altar. Maybe it's something that you can do right where you're at. I just want you to know, either way, God can move in your marriage. Start today. Maybe it's something like when we get home, we need to work on some things. We need to have a serious conversation. We're not going to fight each other. We're going to figure out how to fight for each other. Maybe husbands, you might need to do some apologizing. Honey, I'm sorry that I've been fighting with you. I'm sorry that I have not invited you on the adventures of my life. I'm sorry that I have, have not been rescuing you from all the pain I see in your life. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you wives have some things that you need to apologize for. But the point is, is this. Going forward today... Take back your marriage. Leave the garbage behind. Leave the garbage behind. Leave the unforgiveness. Leave the anger. Leave the past. It doesn't matter. You could be there sitting there. Sorry, I was squeezing your hands. <laughs> you can leave 20, 30, 40 years of mediocrity behind and start having the vibrant thing that you so desperately desire today. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Set our marriages free. We sang a song right before we came up and visited with you guys today. Sang a song about coming with eager expectation. So maybe it's time for us to have an eager expectation for our marriage and say, I'm not settling anymore. From this day forward, we are going to fight together to have the greatest adventure that we could ever have. And we're going to have fun doing it. And we're going to fight for each other. And we're going to find something else to fight for. The devil's not coming in anymore. So bow your heads. Husbands, lead out in prayer over your wife. You don't have to be super loud, but I want you to pray right now just where she can hear your voice. You pray over your wife. If you need to come forward, come forward. If you need somebody else to pray over you, we'll pray over you. And wives, I'm going to call you to allow your husbands to. There's been a lot of wives that had to be the strong ones in the family because they didn't feel like they had someone to, to, to lead them. I'm going to ask you to, to step back and allow the husbands to lead. Sometimes it can be scary and even unseen territory. But that first step is always the hardest. 